This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bottom of the six, two outs, nobody on. Castillo's one, two. Swing and a miss. Strike three. How about some paint at 95 on the lower outside corner? Castillo, a flex of the fist. His day is done. He spins six scoreless here at the drop. Yes, Luis Castillo last night was excellent. Uh, fought through some adversity and kept the race off the board. And the Mariners win one nothing. The first time the Mariners had beaten the Rays one nothing since the Felix Perfect game, which is pretty great. We'll have more on Luis coming up on Mariners Pod. This is going to be a fun one. I think you'll enjoy this. We caught up with Jordan Schusterman in Cincinnati. Very fun conversation, as always, part of Cespedes Barbecue. He has some great takes on the Mariners. Stuff on Julio is great, too. You'll enjoy that. Also, at the end of this podcast, a conversation, a really interesting conversation with the Mariners minor league hitting coordinator, C.J. Gilman. First time we've had a chance to catch up with him. We talk a lot of hitting philosophy that I think you'll enjoy and also also some specifics from some of the players in the minor league system and what they've done this year. But I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you will as well. Again, C.J. Gilman coming up at the end of the podcast. First, though, we're going to start with a conversation with Shannon Dreyer, Luis Castillo, and Eugenio Suarez. They all caught up together in Cincinnati. Uh, Eugenio and Luis Castillo, of course, have been teammates for a long time. They talk a little bit about each other, a little insight on both of them as young players and how they got to be where they are today. And Of course, (laughs) for both of them. Pretty important to what the Mariners are doing, of course, last year and this year as well. So we'll start the conversation right there. I have been wanting to do this for a while, you know, ever since you came over, Luis, and you talked about how important Gino was to you coming up. And, Gino, you talked about in Detroit how important it was for you to be what Miggy Cabrera was to you. I've really wanted to talk about, you know, just coming up as young players. And uh, let's just start with Luis. What was your first memory of Gino? Cuando llegué aquí a, al entrenamiento de Cincinnati, no lo conocía. Yo no sabía quién era, quién era Suárez. Uh, when I first got here, you know, when I first got here, I didn't know who Gino was. Um, but as the days went on, you know, I also got to meet Juan Peralta. But yeah, he was one of the first guys to help me, you know, how to how to act here in the organization. Gino, what did you see in a young Luis Castillo? Um, I remember the really young. Luis, uh, the skinny Luis, he was, yeah, for it, he was uh, really skinny. And um, I, re- I, m- I remember him, the the first time I faced him, then live VP. I think that was his first live VP against us. Um, the first thought was that this guy have a good stuff, right? And uh, as soon as I, I faced him, I hit a long drive right to the middle over his head. And uh, he was like, okay, okay, you want to hit now? Here we go. Start throwing a hundred, a hundred, and a hundred. And I didn't even touch the ball. I was like, oh, okay, who's this guy is? 
So that was my first memory that I have when when I faced, uh, see Luis in that first year in spring training. That was yeah. spring training. He's that firing. Was, what were you thinking, Luis? ¿Qué estabas pensando, Luis? Bueno, me tiró a dar por la cabeza. Well, you know, he, he went directly in my head. Hay que tirarle más duro. Entonces, ya un hombre ya con bastante años que tenía ya aquí en Grandes Ligas. Tranquilo, lo, cogió los picheos tranquilo. Tranquilo, no, no iba a hacer más nada. Un live IP a 100 millas por hora y ya le estaba tirando. Lo cogió tranquilito, ¿eh? imagínate. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, you know, he... His live VP, um, I just threw it hard. He, This is a guy that's been here for such a long time, but, you know, I was throwing over 100, and he was just, you know, relaxed, chill, just, you know, his live VP. <laughs> did you talk to him afterwards, Gino? Yes, I did. <laughs> um, I did it because it was, that was that was amazing, you know. It, 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 you know, you see this young guy, little uh, skinny boy, uh, and uh, throw it hard with a good changer and good slider, so I I. I I start that. That's when I realized that he's gonna be a superstar. So I start talk to him more and and you know help try to help him to be consistent in that way. And uh, that's why we that after the live EP, that's when our relationship start start over. And um, that was uh, I mean a really good moment. And now he's my teammate. He's mm -hmm. three time uh, All Star and uh, so proud of it about him. The the all hard work he been doing it and. Um, It's great to having it with me right here. Are you guys similar in personality, or do you kind of play off of each other? What? What? Yeah, we. I mean, we got different roles, but uh, we 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 can't have the same personality. You know, every time he pitching, he's the same. He always calm. He he even if he 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 doesn't have a good day and uh, on the mound, he always stay on the same level, and uh, the, the same me. You know, I, I not this game is not about you know frustrate every time you, you you gotta enjoy like i always say and we start like on the same level and uh it's something that i can see every time he pitching every time he's around he always laughing he always happy and uh same same thing on me you know i always i try to be happy i try to to you know not not to be um you know frustrate or serious i, I just enjoy the, the game all, the most i came and uh, i do my best um be happy every time lo más importante es que es que tenemos que disfrutar cada momento, cada segundo, cada oportunidad que Dios nos da a nosotros. Yeah, I think the most important piece cada is just día. enjoying every moment. Um, enjoying every moment, we're playing the game. And I've always said it, you know, me getting frustrated is not really going to fix anything that just happened. I can't go back in time and, you know, try to redo everything I just did. Frustrating is just going to damage me. So whether it's me or Gino, you know, we go out there same posture and everything just enjoy the moment do you know have you always been like that or was there a learning there you know i i, I gotta learn that you know as a young as a young player when i come up i want to be you know really good i always be happy always happy but you know you try you try to do your best in the game and sometimes you don't you don't feel that way and you don't realize uh release when you frustrate you know you got it you got to understand and uh the 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 game time and give you that that opportunity you know and uh, i just learning and uh the sooner i learn that every time that i enjoy and every time that happens is, is my best version and i play better when i and i enjoy it and that's why i i, I try to do it every time but uh, yeah as a young player you know you wanna you you can't control those uh frustrate you just 
try to be the best and but after you know my third years in big league I started doing better and better and now you know I just let it happen Gino, I know you have to run in one second, but we're going to ask Luis about your secret talent. So I'm going to ask you about his. Well, away from the field, what makes him fun to hang okay. out with? Um, I think I know him a little bit now for a long time. Uh, his best is he's a really good fishing. He fish. He catches a really good uh, fish. So I, I think it's something that not everybody know that I know. Yeah, I think that's one of his secrets. And that's something you do too, right? Uh, not not like him, but I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Okay. Could you spend a whole day in a boat with him? Uh, that's that's a good question because I never do it in in in, in the boat like oh. that. <laughs> uh, deep. He go deep. He love he loved go deep. <laughs> he invited me a couple times, but uh, I got to think about that because I heard that it's hard, you know, the <laughs> movement, of the water, all that stuff. Okay. And uh, I don't want to throw up. Or do <laughs> Just bad vibes. Bad vibes all around. But, yeah, it's something that uh, not everybody know about Castillo that I know. You know, it's one. he's really good fishing. He loves the water. He loves to go deep in fishing, yeah. All right. Um, I think I know him a little bit uh, now for a long time. Uh, his best is he's a really good fishing. He fish, he catch a really good uh, fish. So I I think it's something that not everybody know that I know. Yeah, I think that's one of his secrets. And that's something you do too, right? Uh, not not like him, but I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Okay. Could you spend a whole day in a boat with him? Uh, that's that's a good question because I never do it in in in, in the boat like oh. that. <laughs> uh, deep. He go deep. He love he loved go deep. He invited me a couple times, but. Uh, I got to think about that because I heard that it's hard, you know, the <laughs> movement of the water and all that stuff. Okay. And uh, I don't want to throw up. Or do <laughs> Just bad vibes. Bad vibes all around. But, yeah, it's something that uh, not everybody know about Castillo that I know. You know, it's one. he's really good fishing. He loves the water. He loves to go deep in fishing. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you, Gino. Yeah, no Luis, problem. we're going to continue with you for a second. <laughs> okay. he's, he's getting away, so you can give us I the gotta goods go. now. Thank you so much for having <laughs> Thank me Thank you, here. Gino. Thank you guys so much. Luis, what is it about the water that you love? Yeah, I think um, picked it up, grandfather, great-grandfather, and there's a song that the lyrics go, in the sea, life is a lot more flavorful. So, you know, when I'm out there, I forget about everything, you know. Um, I let everything go, and the only thing that I'm just thinking about is catching a big fish. So I think that just going out there, it's something that was passed along by my family. How much do you fish in the off-season? How many days? In one semana. Yo pesco hasta tres veces. Hasta tres veces. In a week, I probably fish around about three times. Very nice. Very nice. Mm -hmm. How would uh, Eugenio do in a boat in the middle of the ocean? ¿Cómo crees que haría Eugenio en un barco en el medio del océano? Bueno, primeramente, antes de salir, tengo que darle una, no sé, un medicamento para que no se... I think before anything, no I gotta give... Before Pero we even get on the boat, I gotta give Gino something for so he won't get seasick. <laughs> But... I think once we're out there, you know, with the music, just us trying to catch a good uh, a fish, laughing, I think with Gino on a boat, I think I would have a very good time. All right, all right. Have you fished in Washington yet? Have you gone for salmon? ¿Te ha tocado pescar en Washington, el salmón? Sí, hace dos semanas que fui a pescar y pude agarrar seis salmón. Yeah, about a week ago, I w about two weeks ago, I went and I was able to reel in six salmon. Oh, where was this? ¿Dónde fue? Fue, un recuerdo, fue enfrente de una, de una parte. Yeah, um, it wasn't too far. It was a little place, and 
not too far that um, it's a little special place, a lot of houses, a lot of famous people live there. Um, it wasn't too far. I could see um, the coast from where we were at. So okay. I just went out there, asked for a captain, and he took us out. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Gino, to see him now and the way he's playing third base, how good is he out there? Bastante maravilloso, ya que he jugado bastante tiempo con, con, con Gino. Verlo jugar en la, en la esquina caliente. Seeing him play the way he's been playing there in the hot corner, like as some people say there in third base, it's very special to me. Um, a guy that when I came in, he was one of the guys that just took me and showed me how things were done here in the major leagues. It's very special to see at the high level that he still continues to play. What would it mean to you to get to a World Series with him off to your right shoulder? Yo creo que para mí, eh, yo creo que eso es algo que no lo puedo cambiar jamás en la vida con participar en una serie That would be one of those moments where you cannot change for anything. You know, going to a World Series with Gino there. To a World Series, I think would be one of the best moments in my career. When you walk on to this field and you're no longer wearing the Cincinnati Reds uniform, you became the great pitcher you are on this field here. What are the things that go through your mind when you look out at that field? Eh, bastantes emociones, bastantes emociones de de los momentos que me pasó cuando estaba eh, ahí en ese montículo, en ese terreno. Eh, venir aquí en una en mi, en mi es en mi es home. A lot of emotions. I mean, a lot of great memories that I spent on that mound and on that field. So coming here, it's just a lot of emotions. You know, being able to talk to the guys um, on the Reds, not the fa the fans, but also the personnel. So, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful moment coming back here. Luis, lastly, I've never asked you this before, but what is it that you love about this game? Why do you play baseball? Yo me enamoré del baseball eh, porque es un, es un juego. Es algo bien bonito. Es eh, eh, tú ir a, a tu posición, a... a a jugar porque es un juego que eso es lo que tenemos que disfrutar al máximo eso es lo que siempre yo lo digo eh, disfruta cada momento cada situación que te pasa en la vida jugando béisbol eso es algo maravilloso y eh, compartir con tremendas personas de diferentes países diferentes ciudades eso es algo maravilloso I fell in love with baseball because it's a game you know going out there going to your position doing the best you can it's it's one of those things that, you, you know, it's a game, so you got to enjoy every moment because it, it's fun to do. And also getting to meet everybody, you know, you, you meet people from different backgrounds, different cities, um, and you all come together. That's, that's very beautiful. And now our conversation with Jordan Schusterman. Jordan Schusterman. Oh, I'm here. You know, you're like a heritage guest. I'm I back. mean, you are like one of our absolute oh, oh, yes, thank yes, you, my legacy. Goodness. I mean, just everything. Yes. Wow. Oh, 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 oh no, standing this ovation is from way Rick too, way There too we go. Kind. There we go. You know him from the baseball barbecast from Fox Sports and, yes. and just getting into everything that is good about baseball. And you're also a Mariners fan. How are you yeah. hanging in there? I mean, how yeah. are you handling September? Oh, it's 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 fun. You know, the, the last two years have really given me some good practice i think uh, and last year the way the way that it all came down uh was was so cool and this year it's i mean it's ridiculous to say that it feels normal because it shouldn't for any team that went as long as they did without being in those games but uh but i'm trying to kind of find that balance of like appreciating that like now i am you know supporting a good team 
but also not getting too jaded uh, and being like like this is expected. It's it's an interesting balance I'm trying to strike. It's years of practice. On yeah, the other no, side. I mean I watched. You know, <laughs> we, there was a lot of September games that did not mean much that I was still tuning in for. So this is this is a fun time of year. Now your August was super interesting. Congratulations oh, on you. the wedding, by the way. Thank but you so much. You missed every Mariners loss in that. I, I did. Yeah, those those back to back. I guess it really was that the last. Uh, you know, unfortunately, right now, you know, Seattle on a on a little three game skid. But that last three game skid, the two Baltimore losses and the. The Kansas City loss, which certainly should never be spoken of again. Um, those three was like, that's right when I got married. So I kind of missed all of those. And because of that, they since they was sandwiched with like two eight-game winning streaks, I mean, I went weeks without ever seeing a Mariners <laughs> loss. So these last, being, you know, being in the ballpark last night, you know, working these games and working on a couple stories on both these teams. And it's it's like, oh, wow, there you go. Yeah. They, they, they lost. And they still haven't, what, it's like been six weeks since they lost by more than three runs, I think. So it's... It's a lot of close games, which is a lot to handle as a fan, I think, for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, July and August have been a lot of fun, and it's going to be fun the rest of the way. Uh, tell me your thoughts about, uh, you know, the changes in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, the pitch timer, which we all love. You know, oh, it's yeah. been 25 minutes, you know, off the average game time. But the, the action is still there. It's just compressed. Yeah, you know, totally. the bigger bases and fewer mm-hmm. tosses over to first base. Your thoughts about that, and, and what's maybe next down the road? Yeah. That's a great question. I think it is. I mean, these are massive changes. I don't got to tell you, Rick, but I mean, this is as, as such a seismic shift. But it is great to hear you. And I, I don't know where you stood on these changes. You know, in the first week of April, I don't know how quickly love you. Love, there you go. I right. So, but it is really cool to see just like how overwhelmingly positive it's been. And I think you know, it's so easy to say, oh, you know, half an hour shorter. But it's not about that. It's about what it feels like when you're actually watching. It just makes the game so much more watchable whether you're at the ballpark or whether you're like me and you're trying to watch as many games as possible from around the league it's so much more manageable and so much more exciting and engaging to like jump around and watch as many games as possible because i know i'm going to get more action when i tune in right whereas before it's like it's it's hard to be efficient when you're watching a bunch of games when there's so much time off and so i think that's been great as for what's next i mean there's some of course big questions about the strike zone and whether we'll have you know, some, something more along the lines of, of an automated zone. And I, I kind of fall somewhere in between on that. I, I definitely understand kind of the urgency to get something a little bit better than some of the strike calling that we have now. But I also don't think we're going to make any dramatic changes in the very near future. I think we're still a little bit away from that. Do you think, I mean, one of the, they wanted to speed it up. Obviously, they want to expand the viewership. And you start to hear some encouraging things about the numbers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it is... It is cool to see not just attendance. I mean, attendance is, is important, but people care about yeah. uh, about TV numbers too, and it, it just feels more watchable. And I think that what we already have had, even before these rule changes, is the game getting younger as far as far as the player base and just having younger players come up and immediately succeed. We of course have seen that with Julio, seeing it in Cincinnati. I mean, this team is basically all rookies, <laughs> and Ellie De La Cruz, of course, the headliner there. Um, you guys are missing out on on. I mean, I guess for the better because he's a really good player. But like Matt McLean is another fantastic player. He's injured right now, but it's just so cool and so much easier to get excited about these young players when you know they can come up and succeed right away. And and that is, I think, done a long, gonna go a far way towards getting uh, fans more kind of back into the sport. You just wrote a super interesting piece on the breakdown of the Mariners, Rangers, Astros yeah. scenario. How do you see that? Yeah, I, I think uh, we were kind of joking yesterday as uh, even, you know, during during the Mariners game, which is, was still close, but as, you know, Houston's just been clobbering Texas the last two two days and i think that it's just kind of a reminder that at the end of the day it is it is houston and everybody else that's been true now in the american league for 
for several years. And I think because of that, it's it, there's really no reason to expect that to change. And while I hope for neutral observer's sake that this race remains close, you, you can't deny that Houston knows how to do this better than anybody. And so they are they are kind of peaking. They're finally healthy, I think, at the right time. I mean, they've endured a lot of injuries as well. But as much as we all you know hate to hear it, like that is that is the team to beat. And in an American League where you know the East, was, we're looking at this Orioles team that we're all kind of almost can't fathom how good yeah. they are. And they're very impressive, undeniably, in Tampa also. But I think there is something that you just have to kind of acknowledge about Houston and how how comfortable they are kind of in these spots. Are you and Jake okay? I mean, Seattle and Baltimore. <laughs> well, again, this is as that was my 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 wedding weekend was Mariners Orioles Felix Hall of Fame weekend, and like Felix oh. is the reason I'm a Mariners fan, right? So like that was a quite a confluence of <laughs> of events, but we we uh, so it was probably for the best that we weren't really you know watching too much of those games uh, uh, too closely. But no, I'm 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 thrilled. I mean, you know, you think about the Mariners, we talk about oh those down years in 2019. Mariners are never as bad as how bad Baltimore was for this little stretch, right? I mean, un- undeniably so. I mean, there's last place, and then there's what Baltimore was doing, okay? <laughs> and so to go from how quickly they've turned it around yeah. is so impressive. And and, and it's still an interesting. It, it's still almost, and Jake will tell you this, like he almost feels like it's happening all too quickly. It almost feels like too good to be true. He's like, and I'm like, dude, enjoy it. Like you have like the second best record of baseball. Um, and I'm sure he will. But, and I, I, I'm telling him, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on our podcast, how, you know, last year, you know, me finally experiencing postseason baseball as a fan and jake had that i mean the orgas were in the playoffs a ton you know when when he was we were starting what we were doing 10 years ago they were they were one of the best teams in the al but now it's been a while and now he's like looking ahead at these october games like oh god like this is actually miserable like i hate this we all want this and then you get there and you're like this sucks i don't want to watch any of this so it's a it's a weird 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 thing, fandom is. You, you kind of answered my next question, but uh, some of your biggest surprises mm-hmm. this year, maybe besides the Baltimore Orioles, mm-hmm. because you never know what to expect, mm-hmm. trades, injuries, and things like that. But in yeah. your mind, some of the biggest. Surprises. Sure, I mean, I think it's it has to feel like the theme of the season, and maybe there's more of these every year, and and you know, it's recency bias, but it feels like there have been many more surprises on the negative side. San Diego. That San Diego, both New York yeah. teams, right? St. Louis, who you just kind of assume would just kind of cakewalk to 90 wins every year. Right. That's what I think has been the theme of this season. And, and what's been cool is it's, it's opened it up particularly more in the National League. And I mean, Baltimore counts in this to some degree, but I think that they were clearly ascending anyway. But that group of National League teams pushing for a postseason spot, Miami, right? Cincinnati, of right. course, right here. Arizona, they're, the they're right there, right? And, and to open up a, a spot for a young team like that, you know, is, does that mean they're going to go on some miraculous World Series run? No, but to get, seeing, like, you know, I, I moved to this area a, a, a year ago, and to see how kind of irrelevant and far away the Reds felt a year ago, and then when Cruz, Della Cruz comes up this year, and just the, the energy in this ballpark, and you see this in Seattle too, yeah. it really doesn't take that much, right? It just takes, you know, a five, six, seven game winning streak. It takes one player that you're like, I gotta go see him, and suddenly the fan base is energized. And, you know, Cincinnati's an, an incredible baseball town, and to see that here is firsthand has been really special. And if they can if they can make a push and if they can really get in there at the at the end, it would be really impressive because I mean they lost hundred games last year. We're visiting with Jordan Schusterman of the Baseball Barbercast and Fox Sports. We've only got about a minute, minute and a half to go here. But, Jordan, I sometimes find myself, I have to kind of do a self-check and, and remember what Julio is doing right now. is like not just special, but otherworldly yeah. right yeah. now. What what kind of jumps out at you in, in context of what Julio Rodriguez is doing? Yeah, and the thing I'm, I'm, I'm kind of working on, 
for Fox right this week is, is honestly focusing on the defensive side because I think that we get so caught up in the homers and the stolen bases, as we should, yeah. because it's historic and it's unbelievable. We just saw two more last night. And that is what is going to capture when you're looking at leaderboards and stuff. But for him to become an amazing defender in center field, right, and, and, and an amazing you know base runner and everything, that is what kind of buoyed him for the first two months of the season when it's maddening and you, you put all these expectations on this unbelievable 22-year-old who made Major League Baseball look so easy last year. And that's unfair for any player, right? But he's, he's still contributing. And the fact that even in April and May, as he's striking out a ton and, you know, all kinds, of, it, it's, it's, he's still making an impact, right? Whether he's getting on base and stealing second, stealing third, whether, and again, the same thing with Ellie De La Cruz. He's been hitting 200 for the last month and no one even cares because he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the field and on the bases. And so when you can impact the, the game in, in that many ways, I mean, the offensive ceiling is still ridiculous, and that is still going to be the headliner, and we've seen it this last – I mean, you guys, it's – it's what was it, like 28 hits in 12 <laughs> games? I mean, like the, the math almost like doesn't even 17 compute. 17 and 4 yes. games. Yeah, and you, yeah. you'd see – you write 17 and 4 games, and you sometimes you see these small samples like, oh, he's hitting 500 over the last week. It's like, no, 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 he was doing that for like a month. <laughs> like that's not – that right. shouldn't be, be possible. So that's what's just so so incredible is kind of his evolution into just this all-around player because if he – if he had just become a big, beefy slugger who was hitting 40 home runs, that would be awesome, right? That would be great. But he is so much more than that, and that is what makes him, you know, one of the foundational players in the whole sport. So your Julio piece will come out about when? Uh, hopefully tomorrow. Hopefully on, tomorrow or Friday. On Fox Sports? Yep, FoxSports.com. Fox Sports, and then, of course, the Barbacast. Yep, baseball Barbacast. Yep, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and probably even more in the postseason. So looking forward to all of that. And, and yeah, just uh, it's, it's, it's been a fun year, and this is a good time to, to get involved. Okay, I have one request for you. If they do not win tonight, if they get swept in Cincinnati, yeah. then you're going to have to give yourself up. That's you're fine. Gonna, you're going to have I, to get married again. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> to, keep, to keep the hot streak going. Again, I, I'll get married again, paying for another wedding. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we, we kind of can negotiate something there. But uh, I'll, I'll talk to my wife, still practicing that, my wife, and we'll, we'll, we'll get it for, uh, worked out. All right. <laughs> Jordan Christopher, always great to have you here. Can't wait to see where we run into you next. And yes. Hopefully it's in some exciting September Ooh. baseball and the postseason. Absolutely. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thank you, guys. And we have a chat with Mariners minor league hitting coordinator C.J. Gilman. Can you describe your role and what that means? Yeah, so my job is to make sure we have a consistent product up and down the org from DSL uh, all the way up through AAA and then to communicate with J.D. and Tony and the major league guys to – just kind of make sure that um, we're always in alignment from top to bottom. So what does your daily life look like? A lot of travel, <laughs> a lot of Chipotle, uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of hotels. Um, I go to all of our different affiliates um, and, you know, it's myself and Tiger Peterson, our assistant hitting coordinator and, he covers a lot of the ACL and the DSL, and I cover um, a lot of our full-season affiliates. And um, I'm just there mostly to support the coaches, uh, make sure that you know best practices are kind of being 
brought out from top to bottom and then uh, just, you know, and then at times being a, an extra helping hand for those guys and uh, being a resource for our coaches to help grow them, to help grow our players. How important is that coordination with the hitting coaches at the major league level and what you're trying to accomplish at the minor league level? Uh, I mean, it's of the utmost importance. You know, I think there's, there's nothing that convinces a minor league hitter that something is good for them more than watching our major league guys do it. Um, mm. So, you know, if there's discrepancy in the messaging from the major league side and what minor league hitters are seeing on TV every night to what they're being told, you know, that's a tough message to push. So uh, that alignment is, is as important as anything. Um, and it just, I know for me, of course, the more hitters that we get that break into the big leagues and, you know, have any type of success in the big leagues, you know, our messaging gets that much easier. Mm. Um, but just being able to credibly state what we want to do every day um, based on what's having success in the big leagues is very important to us. We recently had a chat with Justin Toole, and he was super excited with the things going on at the minor league level hitting-wise. What are you seeing in the minors right now on the offensive side of things? Yeah, I mean it's it's a good time to be a hitter in our org. Uh, there's just a lot of a lot of production. It's just everything everything that we're seeing right now is kind of the the culmination of all the messaging that we preach to our guys over and over and over and over. And I think you know what we're seeing today is the culmination of a lot of work. You know, long before I got here, and I think we're kind of seeing it come to fruition a little bit where. Top to bottom, you know, we're dominating the strike zone. We're making good swing decisions. We're driving the baseball when it is in the zone. And, you know, those two simple things, you know, swinging at good pitches and hitting them hard when you decide to swing at them are <laughs> it's basically all hitting is, you know, if you, if you boil it down to its, its simplest terms. And, you know, you're getting to see that. You've got guys that have grown up in our system, uh, guys that are brand-new draftees that – you know, scouting did a great job finding guys that fit our system. And, you know, I think you're getting to see it kind of a little bit at full tilt right now, which in my opinion is just really cool. Whether you look, you know, all the way at the bottom or all the way at the top, we're, we're swinging at good pitches in general. We're getting on base and we're driving the pitches that we decide to swing at. It's something we talk about the at the major league level all the time, and I'm, I know the same holds true for the minor leagues. And it is amazing to look at the numbers – inside the zone and outside the zone, just in terms of the raw batting average, slugging percentage, just the massive difference between the damage done inside the zone and outside the zone. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes the conversation simple, right? Because it's, hey, pick whatever stat you like. Right? I guarantee you whatever stat that you feel is the best to evaluate hitters is maximized when you're swinging at pitches inside the strike zone. And Pitching has gotten to a point where, I guess I'll put it this way, it's difficult enough to put a barrel on the stuff that we're seeing now in the zone that mm. swinging outside the zone, you've just, really, you've got no prayer over a large enough sample. So it's, um, it's pretty, pretty difficult to argue with right now that if you're not swinging inside the strike zone, you're probably not having a ton of success. What about your journey? At what point did you feel like coaching was going to be your path? Yeah, I got done playing in 2012 and I didn't have any interest in coaching my dad was a high school coach so I grew up playing for him and I wanted to be a billionaire 
So uh, coaching wasn't going to be for me. Um, but a guy that I played for in college, uh, Matt Tallarico, he's with the Yankees now. Uh, he said, hey, I know you just got out of college. I know you don't have any you know, jobs lined up. So why don't you come back? We need an assistant for this year. Why don't you come back and try it out? And so I did. And I, I coached at Dayton, which is my alma mater. And um, it was good. I, I loved it. I enjoyed working with Matt every single day. And I, you know, but I was going to move back to Colorado and get married and kind of just figure out what I was going to do. I applied for a lot of different jobs. And uh, eventually uh, I took a job at the Air Force Academy with Mike Kozlowski. And um, that was when it probably really took off because I got to kind of see what it looked like to, you know, be able to change a kid's life and, you know, shape them as a human being a little bit kind of through the game of baseball, which was, I didn't know it, but that's ultimately what I was looking for. So those first couple of years at Air Force and just kind of figuring out, you know, what it takes to, to really be good at coaching and then, you know, the return that you get from uh, building those relationships and kind of just being a part of guys' lives. That's, I think that's probably when I decided that coaching was right for me. What led you to the Mariners? Well, uh, with being a college coach and, you know, kind of having, it's like being a coach, you know, being in player development and scouting all at once, you have to do it all. You know, there, I was just seeing that there were some other opportunities in baseball that would just be a little bit more conducive to having young kids in a family. I got three kids, um, and, you know, I could kind of see enough down the road, and I had enough friends in baseball that missed, a, you know, a lot of their kids' stuff, whether it was school or sports or anything like that. And being a coordinator allows me, you know, I'm gone a lot, I'm on the road a lot, but I'm also home you know, enough to make it all work. And mm. so the professional side was, you know, there's, there's the draw of kind of seeing what you seeing if you're really good at what you're doing, can you do it at almost the highest level in minor league baseball? And then also there was some of the scheduling advantages of, you know, you kind of get a bulk of the off season to, you know, be at home and be a dad. And um, also, you know, some minor flexibility in season to, to make some things work with the family as well. When you go to a spot, Modesto, for example, where you are now, wh what do you like most about the interaction when you when you go to a place? All of it. I mean, the it, you know, it's like these two separate buckets where, you know, you're help growing. My job is to help grow our coaches ultimately, right? We believe if we can if we can help grow our coaches to be better, our, our coaches touch these players every single day, uh, and they're going to, you know, the, our players are going to be better for it. You know, we're going to win more baseball games mm -hmm. and. You know, so I enjoy the interaction with the coach, uh, with our coaching staff, you know, with our hitting coaches specifically. Um, but the interaction with the players is uh, you get to build a relationship with them a little bit slower than you would if you were, you know, coaching them every day. But you get to see them over time and a couple months at spring training and then year after year and things like that. And I think probably just being able to um, zoom out and kind of see these players and how close they truly are to you know, reaching their ceilings at different times um, and how how deep and zoomed in they are and have just absolutely no idea. Helping them, helping to just kind of feel the layers back on that to to get them to really truly feel and, and realize like, hey, you're, you know, you're pretty close to what you're wanting to do here and, mm. you know, do our best to, because we want our guys to have their heads down, you know, put your, put your eyes right on the ground, right in front of you and be really good where you're at. That's the best way to get to the next level. And, you know, helping them to 
to be able to peek their head up and say, okay, here's where I'm at and here's where I'm going. And wow, I'm actually pretty close. And then helping them and guiding them to just put your head right back down, look at the two feet right in front of your face and, you know, take care of today's game and today's job and everything you need to do today. And, you know, ultimately those stacking one good brick a day, you know, you're going to be where you want to be in in a relatively short amount of time when you look back on it. Hmm. Hitting is so interesting now, and the, it's so challenging because of where pitching is in general. How is science, and we talk about the science of pitching all the time, and pitchers going into labs, and they come out monsters sometimes. How is science helping hitting right now, combating what pitching is doing? Yeah, so it's, you know, hitting is a game of failure inherently. You know, for the last 120 years, if you hit 300, you were doing a great job. So if you got out seven times, you were doing a great job. And uh, I think where we're at with hitting is, you know, pitching and hitting, are, they might as well be two different sports. Mm. They just happen to occur on the same field. And, you know, if you think about pitching as the server in tennis and hitting as the guy returning the serve constantly – you know, it gives a, a little bit better idea of you know, just they call it an open skill versus a closed skill. And that's why pitching can be so science based, because we, we have models that can tell us, OK, if you throw this pitch with this action to this location, you're generally going to get this outcome. And, you know, in hitting, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. Hmm. You know, you swing at a good pitch and, you know, you have a quote good swing. Uh, and sometimes you just you kill it and you hit it right at somebody. Somebody just happens to be standing 300 feet away, right where you hit it. And, you know, so I think science has helped us to tease out the best practices, right? The things that we can establish as kind of reliable in hitting, which, um, and really it's less science and more math, right? But it's, you know, things like swinging at good pitches. We can definitively say, if we swing at better pitches more often, uh, we're going to have better outcomes on the, on the aggregate. Mm. And I think what we've done and what we're trying to do is steer our guys kind of away from, you know, with science implies, you know, absolute truth, right? If you can repeat something over and over again, it's true, right? And that's what science is trying to do and trying to steer our hitters away from that, right? There is no silver bullet. There is no absolute truth in baseball. There's only what can we do the best, the most often to get the best results the most often, not what can we do to get a good result every single time. And that's, I mean, that's the Achilles heel of, of any hitter, right? Is, aha, I figured it out. Or, oh, this is what you do. Or, you know, because as soon as you've got it figured out, it's going to flip on you. And I think we use science and math to, to, to establish those things that we can predict. Right. And then we use the art of coaching, right. It's very much art and science hitting is we use the art of coaching um, to help these guys understand and to manage, you know, their perspective and their expectations to understand, okay, there's so many balls in the air here that we're juggling that are completely out of our control how do we just kind of keep this car towards the middle of the road and not, you know, let it steer off of a cliff? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the biggest difference with pitching and hitting is the, the, the pitching is truly a science. The hitting is taking the things that you can't be certain of 
and then doing the best with the rest of them. And that's what the best coaches are doing right now, in my opinion. That was really well said. And tied to that, which I'm always fascinated by, especially at the minor league level, you're dealing with a range of players, right? Some are right out of high school. Some have been in the minors for a few years. But as you alluded to, hitting especially, there's a lot of failure involved. Even the great ones fail the vast majority of the time. How do you deal with the mental side at the minor league level, trying to usher guys to success and just dealing with the inherent failure and some of them failing for the very first time in their lives? Yeah. Andy McKay says it all the time. If you're a hitting coach, you're a mental skills coach. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, you know, professional mental skills coaches that are a major part of what we do to develop our hitters. But, you know, if you could, you hit the nail right on the head. If you could guarantee that any hitter had any tool, right, it would probably be the mental tool and the ability to just deal with 140 games of the ups and the downs. Um, So knowing that, you know, if we could, you know, swish a wand and give a guy that magic power, that's the thing that we go at. So from day one, our guys are learning um, just how to deal with, it you know the crap of all of it Hmm. and you know the more that we can prepare our guys in you know a a very unemotional low pressure place right the off season or draft camp or you know draft camp's not even really a great one because they've just been drafted and they're super excited about that but the more low pressure you know low stake environments that we can have these conversations with our hitters uh the more success we're going to have just helping to kind of mold them into um, somebody that's just capable of dealing with that much failure. Cause it's just, there aren't many sports that provide that many opportunities to fail. Um, so there just aren't that many models on, on how to do it, you know, because the best basketball player scores the most points, you know, and the best football player, the best quarterback throws the most touchdowns. And it's just like, if you don't have a, you know, a, it's, it's all flipped, right? If, if we were quarterbacks, you know, we'd get a hit seven out of 10 times type of thing. So helping our players to just build strategies to deal with that is truly our number one goal. If we could just do that and get them to swing at good pitches and we never got to talk about the swing or game planning or approach or anything else, we'd probably have a fairly you know decent group of hitters, especially with the, the job our scouts do bringing guys in. You've had a lot of guys in the minor league system this year having big success. Who are some of the guys that really stand out and what you've seen this year? Oh, man. Um, it's, the list is getting longer, which is great. <laughs> um, you know, all the way with the young pups, the brand-new guys um, in Modesto. You know, we just unleashed Cold Emerson, Ty Pete, Aiden Smith uh, on the California League, and um, Laz. Montez, Michael Arroyo, Swiss Bell, those three uh, have been crushing it up there for a while. Harry, Cole, Gabby up in Everett are are all having really good seasons. I think uh, Gabby Gonzalez has been in the – he's been in the Northwest League for, I don't know, like a month, maybe five weeks now. And at one point a couple of weeks ago, he still led the Cal League in hits. So he's been gone for that long and still leads that league in hits. So, um, you know, there's probably something to be said there. And we just promoted a lot of our, uh, we promoted a couple guys up to Arkansas. Um, so you got Class A, uh, Tyler Locklear, Packard's up there, you know, hitting a billion. The guy's just a pure hitter. Um, and then our guys knocking on the door. Haggerty and Fermel have been up in the big leagues a bunch. 
Uh, we just promoted the Birdman up there, Robbie Tanerowitz. Uh, Jake Shiner was leading AAA in homers for, you know, a, a, a good portion of the year. Deloach is up there right now putting together an incredible season. So I don't mean to name a bunch of guys, but there's just a lot of guys having a lot of success right now. So it's uh, – and, and there's, there's plenty more. Um, but those are kind of the ones, I guess, that stand out right now. Yeah, it's great to hear because – the Mariners' pitching side has gotten so much attention for obvious reasons. When you, you know, promote Gilbert and Kirby and everything else they've done on the pitching side as of late, it's it's pretty remarkable. But you look at the hitting side. You know, Cal Raleigh, homegrown Julio, obviously, who's the hotter than the sun at this point, and Kate Marlowe having a big <laughs> impact. So it's a, it's been pretty fun time to watch what's also happening on the hitting side. Yeah, I mean, I have so much appreciation for, you know, what the pitching side has done because, you know, I come from a world in college baseball where it's just about winning, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to win and can't win without pitching. And it's just, if you had to pick one or the other, you know, again, if you could swoosh your wand, you'd pick the best pitching staff in the world. That's just how it goes. And it's, it's more controllable and it's more reliable. And so I've got I've got a ton of respect for what we've done on the pitching side, and it's fun to uh, you know make a little bit of noise and and you know grab a couple of the headlines from the hitting side too. Because I mean you know we're doing some good things, and there's some young bucks coming up that are you know really going to be exciting, and and hopefully you know kind of establish themselves the same way our pitching has uh, you know coming up from the minor leagues and into the big leagues. So you're in Modesto now, uh, and you just missed what Pete's two grand slams in a in a game. I mean, what what a start to his minor league career. That's incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so grand slams in back to back innings. That's and, amazing. Uh, when when he hit the first one, we were down eight to one, and we must have scored. We scored one after that because that made it eight five. And then when he came up, he hit the next one to go ahead ten nine, and. Uh, so to kind of take two swings of the bat and get your team back in a game from being blown out and then put your team ahead, it's, uh, I think I read somewhere uh, online that that was the first time he'd ever hit two homers in a game, period. So pretty cool. And, he, you know, he hit a, the first one was oppo, like low liner oppo to left center field, and the second one was in just a light tower shot to the pole side. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, get, I don't know. I don't know if there's any way to go from there, but um, hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's just the first highlight of his career. That's he's got to be feeling pretty good. I'll tell you here in about a half hour when I get to the yard. Nice. Well, thanks so much, CJ, for taking all the time today. We really appreciate it. It's fun to get to know you a little bit and hear all about the system. Congrats on everything going on, and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.